For many years I've been really inspired by this chapter, actually. Um, You may be surprised by that. I've never preached on it, but I've always wanted to spend some more time studying it. When arriving here at DPC, uh, we thought let's have a a vision team. It was a new chapter, and so we called it a dream team. And we had about 12 highly invested people, people highly invested in the life of the church, come and share blue sky thinking of what they'd love to see in different realms of church life. Some of those realms were um, that just emerged as they spoke of what they'd love to see in seven or eight years' time. Things related to leadership, uh, nature of church family and community life. Third, the nature of Sunday gatherings, how they feel. Fourth, youth and children. Fifth, ministry and com- uh, mission and community engagement. Sixth, training. Seven, property. And um, it was great. Just last, meet, last week we met about property. Um, to see some of those things develop as I looked over the old document. When I say old, it was 2021, um, it was shared in 2022, and I'll put it back on the members section of the website so you can have a look at it, 10 or 11 pages, to see what people would love to see happen here. But uh, under the church, family and community life topic, some of the comments in particular were, uh, some people wrote, a church that is growing where new people are welcomed, a Jesus-focused hub in the middle of Dremoyne, A community Jesus is proclaimed and the Bible taught well. Many people being heavily involved in the church's activities, they know each other and are known. Hospitality is the core of this and growth groups, we know what's happening in each other's lives. A vision of discipleship, we're being and making disciples. People who are loved as part of a family, known by name and intimately. Church, a place you can come when hungry or to chat or for friendships. A vision of a church that is intergenerational that connects with the local community and with local churches. Two themes came out of that list that also I see in Romans 16. Um, It's very personal and it's very purposeful. Personal and purposeful church living. Romans 16 isn't far away, after all, it seems, from this. A, A word that was written to other Christians and about other Christians, but it's also a word written from God for us, to us. The same Lord Jesus who meets us is the Lord Jesus who met them and transformed their lives and gave them this same powerful gospel. And their lives are are charged with the same love and purpose we find ourselves having here in our time and place. Personal and purposeful. First then, notice with me some of the inspiring personal features of the letter. There's the repetition of Paul's personal greetings. Please greet for me 26 individuals. I think there are about 16 verses that start with the word greet. I didn't recount it, but uh, 26 individuals named there, including two families and three churches. And don't just name them. Convey my affection, my appreciation for each. Grateful, warm commendation for what all of these Christians have done for Paul, for the church, and ultimately for Christ himself. I'm not much of a drawer yet. I'm I'm learning to say the word yet, and I'm starting to draw a bit more often than I did in the past. But if I was to draw this passage, I wonder what kind of drawing you might come up with. Paul here sentimentally recalling people he loves. People like we're doing today in God's providence. Nick and Rob. Pete and Jess. Paul recalls the brave and sacrificial acts that have led them 
to be respected by those around them. It's like a collage of memories he has of these children of light who, to use the Gospels and and the parables terminology there, they're using their talents for the kingdom and for the great king really well. Paul might be having images of meals and prison cells and house church gatherings and mission trips and gospel opportunities taken together. When you and I look back on our years with this church, I bet we'll do the same. And may it be that we look back and we say, great years, great people. A church that is personal and purposeful. Notice the way the personal becomes so intertwined, woven together with the purposeful. It's not as though they they can act separately. Uh, Notice them, they're, they're like strands that weave through as a tapestry or a collage. It begins, verse 1, with Paul's friend, his sister Phoebe, a personal relationship with this woman who is also purposeful in the way she lives. Now, this woman, Phoebe, is not mentioned anywhere else in the New Testament, but fortunately for us, coincidentally or incidentally, she's the one honoured to be delivering this letter. And so we get to hear about her. Verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon, a servant, Uh, We don't know exactly what a deacon was. It probably wasn't very defined at the time. But probably some kind of recognised and commissioned pastoral or ministry worker. A deacon, servant of the church in Cancri, which was an eastern seaport suburb of Corinth where Paul had been. And so they'd ministered together. This is the place from which Paul's writing this letter to the Romans. He has to go to Jerusalem next. And so he sends Phoebe in the other direction to Rome to deliver this. It reminds me of other significant women in Jesus' ministry. We had Johanna in Luke, we had Lydia in Acts. And Phoebe here shows how central and integrated and instrumental women were in the early Christian movement. Paul cares for Phoebe and wants the church to give her a Christian welcome, a welcome worthy of a Christian community, to welcome her for who she is, their faithful sister, even though they may not have ever met her before, I take it they haven't. And he does this so that she might be welcomed seamlessly, quickly, and be accepted and trusted and useful in that church as well. We do something similar when people move churches. Sometimes there's a transfer of membership. Another church will tell me as a pastor that this family or this person leaves in good standing and will tell me a bit about them to make the the entry seamless here. Sometimes I'm asked for references for people as they take a a job in a Christian institution. But back to Paul's words in verse 2. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. While we're on this topic, um, I'm sometimes asked about the, the roles of men and women in church life at DPC. And though it doesn't answer every question, And it doesn't give loads of details. Romans 16, I think, does provide a really inspiring and helpful model. Men and women working side by side together. There's appreciation and esteem. People being freed up and supported to get on with a range of ministries. Whatever else is said, this is a picture the church of every generation would do well to reproduce. Sadly, and I speak of my own denomination, Sometimes as denominations get more structured and titles and official offices and definitions become narrower and more formulated, 
some of this colour and health can be lost. And I regret that is still the case so often and it's something our denomination is wrestling with. But if our understanding of the mutuality of men and women in church life is less than this Romans 16 picture, I think it's a real shame. And I think this chapter offers a really timeless tonic to our church, our denomination and all churches. Perhaps to make this even more obvious, God, through Paul, sent this letter in the hands of this trusted woman, a woman he commends and endorses before the worldwide church he knows would go on to read this. And then he mentions another significant woman in verse 3, Priscilla, Greek Priscilla. Um, She's usually named in the New Testament before her husband and her ministry partner, Aquila. We don't know exactly why, but in Acts chapter 18, it seems Paul, who was a tent maker by trade, worked with Aquila and Priscilla, or Priscilla and Aquila, um, who worked there worked uh, for their own um, expenses and Paul did the same for that season. It may be Priscilla's mentioned because she's more active alongside Paul. It may be she was more available. It may be she was more gifted for the ministry that they were doing. Can I pause to say how valuable it is that some of our women at DPC, similar to Priscilla, keep themselves intentionally free? Some men in our church do that as well. But in the case of women, similar to Priscilla here, there's people involved in hub or one-to-one discipleship or playgroup or congregational leadership roles or committee work and so on. Whether it's men or women doing this, it takes a sacrifice and it's terrific and very helpful. Meanwhile, the spouse will be hard at work and being salt and light in the workplace, equally valuable. But Priscilla and Aquila seem to have seen themselves as a mobile ministry couple of means who were together as a team putting their talents to use for God's kingdom. And since Christians didn't have church buildings, anything like this one until the 4th century, churches needed homes for their gatherings and Priscilla and Aquila made their home available, verse 5. And may I at the same time say a heartfelt thank you to those in our church who open our homes for home groups and prayer meetings, for Christianity Explored, for hospitality after church. Homes are usually the best meeting places for Christians to meet if we can fit. May I say too, Pete and Jess, who are moving from this area and from our church, are a family who opened their homes through their time here. Um, I was in their home group last year and uh, met in their home sometimes. Pete, as an elder, both um, gave himself in many ways that He and Jess felt as a sacrifice at times, I'm sure. Pete and Jess teaching our kids about Jesus in kids' church, leading services. Jess helping with admin to help coordinate the massive street fair. Generous with their resources to bless the church. So it's right to recognise such people and the value of their ministries. Not to flatter people, but to promote and encourage people in things that are good and to recognise the different ways it can look to be living sacrifices devoted to God around the church. Scripture helps us as well to bear costs, to make sacrifices, to take risks. Look at Priscilla and Aquila's example again in verse 4. They risked their lives. The word their lives being next. They risked their necks for me. And clearly Paul hasn't forgotten and that loyalty in the past is still meaningful in the present. 
You might remember last year Andrew Thorburn was dismissed from his position as CEO of the Essendon Football Club after just one day in the job because they attached the views of his church preached by someone else to him and thought those views weren't compatible with the football club. It's since been tested in court, apparently. I just had a quick look and it seems... um, I think Andrew took them to court or someone did. He won and there's been compensation which has been given to charity. But at the time I raised the question with the elders which seemed quite a scary question, a prospect around the church as this happened. Who's to, who can be next? If your name's listed on a website and the content of the website doesn't agree with a corporation, what's going to happen? Should we in our church remove our content and remove our committee of management and elders' names? And so I asked the question about elders, should we remove some of the content that could lead you to lose your job or disadvantage you. Um, I expect to take the heat if it comes here in church, but you might want to consider if having your names will unnecessarily ruin your career. I must say I was really impressed and encouraged when Pete and the other elders said, leave it there, just leave it there. What comes from being associated with me, I realised? What comes with being associated with you and this church and with Jesus' teachings, they were willing to receive, come what may. And so they didn't risk their necks so literally, but this solidarity and bravery was and is a great encouragement to me. And notice the effect some of us can have, not just on our own churches, but to multiply multiple churches where Paul adds, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. What a legacy this couple had. And friends, that doesn't have to just be in the first century. Singles and couples can still have this ministry where whole generations and churches can be grateful to them. Some people God raises up to have an influence beyond their own congregation. In the last two years, we've welcomed Stuart Colton and Peter Jensen to our weekend inn. Earlier in the year, Derek Brotherson, another college principal, came and preached in our church. All of them influential Bible colleges training thousands of men and women. Our own David Cook, and along with, them, Mac, uh, along with him, Maxine, alongside, oversaw the training of thousands of men and women for gospel ministry for 27 long years. And so it's right that we're grateful to those who do such work and bear the sacrifices that come with it and pray for people with wider responsibilities. In our church, we have many people like that. We have people who chair school boards. We have people on school boards. We have chaplains and teachers and scripture teachers. We have authors of Christian books. Margaret Mackenzie in our 9am congregation really finished a really demanding role as the chair of trustees that's responsible for all the property of the Presbyterian Church of New South Wales. She let go of that job so she could take an even more difficult, complex role, which was to serve as the executive chair of Presbyterian Aged Care in New South Wales as it ceases to operate, which means the sale of very complicated business. This was all while continuing to oversee the master plan process in our church And she didn't ask to be relieved of her role of Committee of Management, where she has oversight of property there. There are many around us for whom our church and many other churches can be grateful. 
personal and purposeful Christian communities. Next in verses 5 to 6, I could mention more around our congregation, but I won't. Um, Greet my dear friend Eponetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Just being at church is great. Showing up is great and valuable. Some of us might feel it's hard work just to get here. Mental health reasons, stage of life, kids. At a very different stage of life, perhaps, Mary is someone who worked very hard for you. I don't know who comes to your mind when reading of Mary. Uh, Many women come to mind in our church when I think of Mary. I hope it's okay to embarrass one of them, Margaret. She seems everywhere all at once. With joy and humility, with food, with prayer, with wisdom, with genuine love for us and for the Lord. It's right to be grateful and to see God's kindness and power in the lives of those around us. Not just when they leave, let's not leave it for then. But of course, while we still have them with us. Verse 7, greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, or perhaps esteemed by the apostles. And they were in Christ before I was. In Christ before I was. This community is all about Jesus. In Christ Jesus, we read in verse 3, to Christ in verse 4, in Christ, verse 7. And in the flow of names we'll see from verse 8, soon we'll notice how this continues. Personal and purposeful, in Christ, who brings us together. Recently, I was driving with one of you at night. Um, I'll just put it in the third person. His phone kept beeping and ringing. Um, It was kind of the end of the day, but um, it was a bit grey as to whether the work was over and being on call as well. And so I I noticed he just kept responding to the beeps, answering the phone calls, skillfully responding to people's particular questions, people asking for advice and help. And I could see something of what his normal workday must look like. I could see as I watched on that he was bringing the grace of Jesus into his secular workplace so faithfully. He was so giving. And he was talking about seeking to build trust in the workplace so that though they're not Christians, they learn to help each other. And he's making a difference. Some of you toil with care for elderly parents. Some of you toil through chronic illness. Some of you care for the sick. Many Christians in Paul's day would be imprisoned for their faith. Some would face an arena with lions or form or other forms of execution simply because they name Jesus as their Lord. I don't know what arena God has placed you in, what family circumstance you might be in, what loneliness you might be experiencing. But whatever the arena God has placed you in, press on, in and for the Lord, knowing that you're also doing it together. Notice with me also from verse 8 where the flow of greetings speeds up. Men, women, rich and poor. Many names that many... Um, the, the research shows have slave backgrounds in the congregation. Jews, Romans, Greeks, people from all nations like Persis, verse 12, whose name means Persian woman. So I take it she's Persian. Verse 8, greet Ampliatus. That's a common slave name. My dear friend in the Lord. Personal. Greet Ur- Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. It's purposeful. 
And my dear friend, Stachys, greet Apollos, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Now this could be, we don't know, the speculation could be the grandson of Herod the Great, which leads to his mention, perhaps, of a relative of Herod in verse 11. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew, who's become a Christian, I take it. Greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother for me too. Just working hard in the Lord, I was hearing a pastor recently just share of how hard he tries. And it struck me that I think a lot of Christians are just trying so hard giving their lives to Christ, giving their lives to their family, giving their lives to their kids, often feeling guilty and inadequate, but really trying hard to serve the Lord. And I hope this encourages you to press on. I love the family connection in verse 13. Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. I guess Rufus and his mum started out with Paul by just being friendly. And then they became friends and... Now Paul considers Rufus's mum to be like his own mum. I wonder if you've had others who are like mothers and fathers in the Lord. I wonder if you've been like a mother or a father to others yet. Perhaps beginning with just offering a room. A pastor of mine from coastal New South Wales said his 18-year-old son is coming next year to study at UNSW. And uh, he'll be staying with his aunt for the first six months, but he'd like to be connected with a church and in a Christian home if possible. And it made me wonder, would there be spare rooms, a spare apartment, a spare granny flat available to people like that in our church that would make such a difference to people? I told my friend to let me know exactly what the needs are so that we can see what we can do. We have Jotam coming next month from Germany. Do you need somewhere to stay? He said, no, I'm fine somewhere to stay, but I'd actually love to have a car to get around in three weeks. I said, I'll let people know. I feel like our carol service could go up a level if we had more people ready to organise it. And I'll put the word out in the coming weeks. It seems to me our kids' ministry could really expand with this hard work in the Lord going on. A growing number have recently been involved in K-Central at PLC. Um, it seems to me we could have something like a kids club going on fairly simple that leads people from primary age into dy a feeding um, group into that we actually don't have many primary age kids in our church and that's the future of our youth group unless we address that we have a warm connection with Moyne public and opportunities to open our church to kids which i think will only improve as our buildings improve but these things will take hard work. They will take sacrificial servants. I haven't raised that one in the past because I feel like people were strained and tired. But with new people in our church, new chapter, there may be spaces for things like that. There is lots of work to do. But the words here are greet, greet, greet. Name, name, name. Work, work, work. A picture of church that is deeply personal and wonderfully personal purposeful and all in the Lord Jesus and look how it finishes verse 16 concludes with a kiss greet one another with a holy kiss a common way of greeting still all around the world today 
was chatting with someone from Brazil this morning. They said in one province they give one kiss, in another province in Brazil they give two kisses, in another province three kisses. I don't know how that works out if you cross provinces. Um, I asked if it's left, right, left, and they said they're not sure, it just works. But it's up a notch, isn't it, in terms of intimacy from the, the COVID um, elbow touch. Then there's you know, a distant handshake, then there's a warm handshake. But the, the touch of the cheek, there's something to that between friends and family. I'm not saying we need to do that in Australia. But perhaps it's something hard to do when you don't see eye to eye with people. Perhaps Paul's saying it so that he's saying, have a relationship in which you can give a holy kiss to someone, a warm handshake. If there are people that you're avoiding, uh, people that you have a distant or strained relationship with, to work on that. Finally then, the Roman churches and ours, what can we learn? I'd encourage you just now to think of one thing that might come from this chapter for you. One thing that you've been inspired by. How would you like your life described? Your household. That was their church. This is our church. That was their time to live for the kingdom and for the king. This is our time. This is our season. How might you use your home, your resources, your workplaces, your opportunities, your love for the Lord Jesus to serve him? Well, let's pray.